Hey everybody, this is Sawtooth Frank, and this is episode 76 of the Soft Serve Podcast. And we have our guest on tonight, Mr. Gut Bucket. And I just wanted to say real quick, we were having some technical difficulties with Gut Bucket's phone connection for about the first 40 minutes or so, and it gets much better after that. Please hang in there and try to listen to the whole podcast. We talk about some really interesting things related to the community, um, community businesses, and changes we can make as a result of this pandemic to kind of make sure that there's more opportunity and financial security for everybody in our country, not just the people at the top. So um, anyways, um, please hang in there and try to listen to the whole podcast. We love you. Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, fun, Stomping Jen. Euphonic. Fun. Euphonic. Why are we talking about or euphonics? Phonesthetics. 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 That means orally pleasing. Yeah. A U R A. Aurally. And I have. <laughs> Auditorial. Oral pleasure on my mind. Auditorial. Welcome to episode 76 of the Soft Serve podcast. I am your host, Sawtooth Frank, and I'm here with my yawning co-host. <laughs> what is your name? Stomping Jen. Say it louder. Stomping Jen. Stomping Jen. Welcome to the Soft Serve podcast. Let's be honest, folks. We're going to be talking a lot about this coronavirus situation, COVID-19. We have an interesting guest who is going to call in momentarily, Mr. Gut Bucket. We're going to hear all about Mr. Gut Bucket in a minute. But first, Mr. Gut Bucket. We're going to ask him. But first, we want to thank you first responders, healthcare workers, Supply chain operators, your truck drivers, your grocery store workers, your fucking warehouse people, pharmacy people, all of you keeping us alive. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now we're going to do the show and we're going to get Mr. Gut Bucket on Stomping Jen. Go for it. Do it. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. If the creepy truck... If the creepy truck was going to deliver toilet paper, I'd be all for it. 
You wouldn't run away from me. I wouldn't run away. All right. I'm going to, you talk. I'm going to text Mr. Gut Bucket and tell him to call in, okay? Yeah. All right, hold on. I'm talking. (laughs) How y'all doing out there in your safe homes? I texted Mr. Gut Bucket. Okay. He should be calling in shortly. Great. Now, Stomping Jen. Yeah. What do we want to tell people? I don't know. Now, I'm going to be honest. I think this um, COVID-19 coronavirus shit has people thrown off their game. I can't imagine why. Our downloads are down slightly. Well, because people don't have time. Yeah, I'm not listening to as many podcasts. I haven't even listened to our own podcast in two weeks. I don't have time. I know. And this is one of the things. So we want to ask people... If you enjoy this podcast, we want to ask you, tell your friends about it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. subscribe to it, Mm -hmm. right? So you automatically get it. So you automatically, oh. Uh, I'm in the meeting. He is inside of our ears, Mr. Gut Bucket. Hello, Mr. Gut Bucket. It is a pleasure to be here. You you don't even know how, how happy I am to be here. (laughs) <laughs> How long I've waited to be part of the soft serve podcast. Well, oh my goodness, Mister Gutbucket, you're overstating. Your, you're overstating your joy. No, no, no. That's no. That's not true. No, I, I, I say nothing lightly. My youngest, my youngest, my my little, my littlest Gutbucket says, "I said I'm going to be on the soft serve podcast," and you know what she said? Why, Daddy? She why? Said, no, no, that's the second thing she said. The first thing she said was Space Unicorn. That's right. Oh. I was like, yes. That's right. Space Unicorn, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she thinks that's the coolest name. The only disappointment she has with that is that she didn't think of it herself for her own <laughs> podcast. But We're... And then the next thing she said was, why do they want you on their show? <laughs> <laughs> this is a... Um, this is a child who clearly needs more discipline, Mr. Gutbucket. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, she just likes to listen to podcasts with lots of swear words. I'm just kidding. She's nine, so she's got to learn them somewhere. Any <laughs> any fan of the Soft Serve podcast is a friend of ours, and when we tell Space Unicorn that she has a she has a fan, she will be over the moon. <laughs> Literally. Awesome. <laughs> Out in awesome, space. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Is she Space Unicorn? He didn't even get his own joke. Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, over the moon. Space unicorn. (laughs) I can tell that he totally, like, went over his head, that he made a joke. Yeah, I didn't get my own joke. You're right, Stomping (laughs) Jen. Thank you. Now, Mr. Gutbucket, when you and I were pre-communicating prior to the show, um, like I always do, I ask our guests... if they if they want to select their own name in this in this case I didn't do that you said to me hey don't I get a handle because I was just going to use your regular name Mr. Gutbucket and you said I want right. to be we can't have right go ahead <laughs> so, no I, I I just said well we can't have that we can't have that we all right. have to have a handle that's right. So Mr. Gutbucket said, I want to be Mr. Gutbucket. And I was walking and I was doing voice to text. I said, that's fine. You can be, and what I thought I was saying was Mr. Gutbucket, but the voice to text, Snomping Jen, translated it as Mr. Duckfucket. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Totally. 
And the, fun, and the weird thing with that was that was my second choice. <laughs> duck, duck Bucket. Yes. So French for Duck Fuck. Yeah. Now, so Mr. Gut Bucket, I was curious why you picked that particular name. Could you, uh, anything well, you want to tell us about it? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, so I'm a, I, I'm known to play a uh, a sexually active musical instrument known as the saxophone. Oh, and in certain circles, I'm known for that. And so um, back in the day, the the during the era of of like the Chitlin circuit, as it was sometimes called of uh, early uh, R&B music and early rock and roll and rockabilly, the uh, style of really aggressive, growling, vocalese uh, style of saxophone playing was known as Gut Bucket. Oh, huh. So I really, really liked that, that era, uh, and so hence the name. And it was better than what my, my uh, again, my youngest daughter wanted me to call myself, which was Poop Daddy. <laughs> I like poop daddy. Now, um is there a I, yes. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm all set. I was going to say is I'm there a, a Yeah, is there an artist that you could recommend who um exemplifies this style of gut bucket playing that we could look up later or our listeners could listen to? Uh yeah, that would be See, this is the time of day when I forget names and i can just remember oh, things okay. like well first of all for people to, to a more recent uh player of that style and um and i know that at least some of the people listening have a, a, a connection to new jersey so so bruce springsteen's saxophone player forever and a day was clarence clement oh yeah he was actually the first person that i really um that i really identified with when I was, you know, way back in the day. So Clarence Clemens exemplifies that style of playing for one. I could totally see and that. And there were Yeah. And and you know who played that style early, although it was so early there's there's no real recordings of him doing that and stuff. But what what people, most people don't know is that that Ray Charles, um, who is obviously known as a as a piano player and as mm-hmm. a singer and was that for for just about all of his substantive career he did learn how to play uh, that, you know, saxophone, and predominantly played that style back before he became famous when he grew up in Florida. Huh. Cool. And he learned from a guy. This is another guy you might want to look up. Uh, an alto player, albeit not a um, not a uh, tenor player, but his name was Eddie Cleanhead Vincent. <laughs> oh man, I love those names. Um, our guest last week was Ramblin' Blind Josh Pearson, and he was talking about um, the names of like old like blues players. Um, and he had some really interesting ones that he had told us. So I like that. Eddie Cleanhead Wilson. <laughs> what? It, you totally got that wrong. Oh, I got it wrong, Stomping Jen? Yes. Oh, what was it? I got bucket. Say it again. I said Eddie Cleanhead Wilson. Stomping Jen is telling me I got it wrong. Wilson. No, well, that's okay. That's okay. You're, you, you, you know, it's it's actually hard to hear over the phone. Vincent. So it's V, V I N, S O N. Okay. Vincent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and it's true, right? Like, especially when you go back to the early blues days, which is also just the early days of recorded music, the beginning of the record business. Right. 
everybody was a blind lemon this or blind, you know, blind lemon chitmins, you know, or some kind of like, yeah. you know, there's, there's very colorful names. Yep. Well, um, well, welcome. Thank you for um, telling us a little bit about your chosen name. I just have to interject for yeah, a second. Yeah, go ahead, Stomping Jen. You're so, a co-host. You're so allowed to do that. Space Unicorn is currently learning the saxophone. <clears throat> yes, she is. The saxophone, to be uh, a pr- a, to be uh, precise. One thing we need more of in the world are strong women who play saxophone. Yeah. Now, is she, what is, I, and forgive me, I don't know. I'm not being cute. Is she, an, is that an alto saxophone she has? What mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's not the Kenny G one. No, that's a soprano. Okay. Yep. I just. Yeah. I no, that's a, not really a saxophone. That is a tool of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for saying it. I, so, I wasn't sure. I was afraid to say that. <laughs> it's really interesting. There's one, there's one human being that sounds good on soprano saxophone, and he's been dead for almost a century. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, and he really was a clarinet player that that ended up losing his clarinet, so he had to play soprano. Yeah, so that, you know, that barely even counts. <laughs> yeah. So I will say I always wanted to play the saxophone. Yeah. And when you get to choose your instrument way back in fourth grade, for me, uh, I. I couldn't remember the name or I'm not really entirely even sure. I think my parents thought I was saying trombone. I don't know. Anyways, I ended up with clarinet Hmm. and um, over the course of my very short musical career between fourth grade and basically senior year of high school, I did at some point pick up a saxophone and try to learn how to play it. Um, And because I was so, I had been taught on a clarinet I could never really figure out the saxophone because I kept wanting to play it like a clarinet. And hmm. um, the keys are all in different places. So even when Space that's, Unicorn... That's true, yeah. Yeah, when Space Unicorn needs help. Um, plus, I also played bass clarinet for a time in jazz, like in high school and stuff. So, like, I really am all twisted when I try to pick up the saxophone. Yeah. So, hmm. But... Um, back back in the day, if you if you said... Like the day back in the day, way way back in the day, if you said, "I you know, I want to play saxophone," which of course inevitably most kids did, because saxophone was associated with, you know, thieves and knaves and prostitutes and you know all those cool people. All the good, th- all the good things. They would say all the good things, all the fun things, and they would they would say, "Okay," and they would hand you a clarinet first, <laughs> wow. because clarinet was considered. Like, no lie now, it was was literally called the quote-unquote legit instrument. And saxophone was an illegit instrument because, again, because it was synonymous with, you know, with jazz and with Storyville and the steamboats and whatever kind of thing. So, of course, everybody wants to play saxophone. It's it's from the devil. Right. (laughs) It looks cool. But it makes me so sad because, like, I do. I want to, like, help her or, like, whatever. Hmm. And, like... The notes are just all all different. It's not. Yeah, but you get the general idea at least. I have never played. Yeah, I mean, an I know how to blow into it because yeah. it's a reed instrument, just like a clarinet. And oh, it's I, hard. I tried blowing into yeah. it, and I almost passed out after yeah. about a minute. Yeah, it was hard. Well, see, that's it. That we have to have a saxophone party here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, a Post COVID nineteen potentially kill all of us. <laughs> we can have a saxophone party. Yeah. Well. All right. Um, 
sorry, I didn't mean to wait. No, that was like saxophone. Line, no, but. that was um, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So now we know a little bit about Mr. Gut Bucket and how he got his name. So we're gonna go into we're gonna go into news. Okay. Okay. Hang on, Stomping Jen. I know how much you love this. Oh yes. It's like very serious. Well, it's serious time, Stomping Jen. A scream, Mr. Gut Bucket. Punctuation on, on that. We are in serious, serious times right now. Now, last week we asked the question: Is this really happening? And this week we're leading off the news with a statement, a declaration. Yes, this is happening. Right, Stomping Jen. Yep. And we've decided, Mr. Gut Bucket. Now, hold on to your, um, hold on to your hat, that we think we might actually have COVID nineteen. I'll wait. COVID nineteen. Yep, I'll wait for your reaction. The <laughs> <laughs> COVID nineteen. Yep, the not any other type of COVID nineteen. Not COVID seventeen. Not COVID nineteen C, but the one and only COVID nineteen. Now, let me tell you how we think we have this. Okay. I'll be I, in- I can't wait to hear. <laughs> All right. So, so I have to be very careful. Um, we are family friends with uh, somebody who is diagnosed positive with COVID-19. They were diagnosed yesterday. Yesterday. And our daughter slept over their house during the period where he was potentially infectious. Now, upon returning from that person's house um, a few days or a week later, our daughter got sick. Right, Stomping Jen? Yeah, but it wasn't... Mild, like, it was like a mild flu, cold. like a flu like thing, yeah. Like, she was like, I'm taking a sick day. It was like the yep. first week that they were off, and we were like, Ha ha ha, you're taking a sick day, like, ha ha ha. Yep, and then one after the other, we all fell ill, and with these really kind of bizarre constellation of symptoms that you can't really say are the flu, you can't really say is a cold. Like kind of allergies, like, like a weird novel type of illness I've never experienced before. Um, hmm. So we're thinking we're we're potentially um, infectious, right, Stomping Jen? Potentially, but we're not going to get tested. So I think we should. I'm and gonna... for and, and for you for you yourself, Sawtooth Frank, mm-hmm. there's no risk during that time period at any moment uh, during the time that you thought you you had these novel symptoms that you had either smoked bad pot <laughs> well it's or fun- drank skunked skunked local locally brewed of course but skunked beer it's funny you mentioned that so what i will say um so you you know um if you listen uh to the podcast stomping jen and i are not drinking alcohol right now but i did last week I have some topical THC slash CBD cream that I apply to my my joints. <clears throat> um, not the kind that I smoke. I love the way you just like did that. He said the word clearing. joint with guffaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right? No, but I don't. I believe that was a guffaw. <laughs> but I, I don't. Um, I had to laugh. Um, I was seeing where this is going, like me slathering but you applied it to your joints. Yeah, slathering joints with topical lotion. Mm-hmm. No, but that's, it's true because it's disgusting. Yeah, the, the you don't like the lotion stomping. No, I Jenna. hate it. Yeah, it's but disgusting. um, 
Uh, so anyways, I apply this stuff to my joints, and it's pretty mild. And that night, I also uh, medicated with a very low dose of, um, um, a, like a gummy, a little gummy, like an five, an edible, five milligrams, nothing too an heavy. Edible, yeah, okay. yeah, nothing too heavy. Um, and I woke up in the middle of the night pretty much with a full-blown anxiety attack. Right, Stomping Jen? Oh, right. And I told yes, you. That's yeah. Yeah, I told you about it. Yeah, but this it. has nothing to do with the... Right. And then I was just absolute... I told you, I said, I'm jumping out of my skin, I'm having an anxiety attack, and then what did you do, Stomping Jen? <laughs> I don't How know. did you calm me down? <laughs> what did I do? What does this have to do with COVID-19? Tell, tell Mr. Gut Bucket how you okay. calmed me down. We just lifted some pellets. We went and lifted some pellets. We went out to the garage and lifted pellets, Mr. Gutbucket. All right, can we move on from this? You know how much I love talking about this. It was a good pellet lifting session. I appreciated it. And it calmed me. What does this have to do? Is that what you guys call that? Is that what you guys call that? We don't have our names for it. Yeah. Lifting pellets. What does this have to do with you having. It calmed me right down. I was able to go back to sleep. So, um,. Mr. Gut Bucket asked me if I had some anxiety, if I ate some weed and had some anxiety. That's why. Oh. I was like, how did we well, get here? Well, here's, here's the odd thing about yes, that. Go ahead. So, so I, 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 cannot, I cannot say, I don't have bragging rights over, you know, like, you know, I don't want this to come out the wrong way. Like, oh, I know so many people have already had it, man. But this one woman who has recently connected with us at uh, my place of business, mm-hmm. has recently recovered from full-blown COVID-19. Okay. And uh, so this is the only time during this entire uh, interview and discussion, however we want to characterize this, and I'll be totally serious. So, yep. so, so what I'm about to tell you is serious. So she, um, the shocking thing for her, her and her significant other are world travelers, and her spouse is from France, and they came back over, and she, and they both had it, or at least she had it. Yes. Uh, and the odd thing with it was none of the symptoms that she presented at the time of her diagnosis, and almost half of her experience of, of going football and being in the hospital, uh, were any of the symptoms described as being COVID-19 symptoms, huh. including, no. including yeah. this is the big one for her that put her in the hospital. Her endocrine system went into hyperdrive, so as she described it, she would have this thrust of adrenaline huh. for a brief period of time. I've been having that. that. Would... St- go ahead. What the fuck? Okay, keep well, going. And then, and then that was followed by extreme exhaustion, almost to the point of feeling like you have mono for several hours. And this process for her repeated for four days until she couldn't take it anymore. And then she did start to have other symptoms. And then she went to the hospital and they said, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you, you're, you tested positive for it. You know, that is so fucked up. Let me tell you why. Uh, stopping Jen. Were you, you were going to say you're experiencing yeah, that? Yeah, 100%. So listen to this. Um, I want to ask you both. Do you know Can where you the... off this terrible music? Do you, he said it was a serious conversation. Yeah, but what does that have to do this with This is the music? serious music. Oh, my God. All right, hold on. Let me get rid of it. We're not just lifting pellets here. No. <laughs> now no, no, listen to this. Where are the adrenal glands located? In your neck? No. Where? On the tops of your kidneys. What did I tell oh, you I was experiencing lungs? a week and a half ago at night when I was lying down? 
my my kidneys were like aching um and like right under my ribs and i felt like i was gonna jump out of my skin i think that's my adrenal glands going crazy now it stopped it has calmed down i'm not experiencing that anymore but that's so messed up that you said that is your friend okay the fact of the matter is uh, she, she recovered. She's, okay. she's 40 years old Okay. and she's very athletic and, um, and she recovered, but she, she made it clear to me. And this is, this is, this is just maybe about a week ago. So uh, I, clearly we've been taking this, um, professionally, we've been taking it seriously, you know, at least since the 13th. And, but she's the first person I've come across that has said, yeah, you know, I just finished having it. And she convalesced for 20 days. And she said, you know, being in the condition I'm in, the age I'm, I am, she said, you do not want to get it. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't even know if you had it anyways. And there's a chance you might have already had it over the last several months because the fact of the matter is it's already been in North America for God knows how long. I know, right? And all yeah. of us have been presenting asymptomatic or just or just having light symptoms when we fought it off. Maybe about a month and a half ago, I had a low-grade fever that never went full-blown. I didn't have any other symptoms. And that yeah. lasted for about four or five days, and I fought it off. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I think I had it, but what if, I mean, but the, point, the greater point here is because of when we started to, as a country, take this really seriously, or not, it, this has been around us for a while. So now none of us really know because we can't test absolutely everybody tomorrow right. to find out who's had it, who has it, or who's never had it. That's that's sort of like it's exacerbating the challenge to all this, right? Like yeah. We, yeah. You know, how long are we supposed to stay in the, in the house? We have no idea. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully they'll get enough tests out there—the kind that can test for antibodies. So if you at least have had it relatively recently, it'll be able to right. pick it up. But I'm telling you, and going along with all of these other symptoms I was having, um, was this fatigue, like unbelievable fatigue. Remember when I was like fucking exhausted? But I would come home from work and have yeah. to take a nap. No, I was working at home, barely doing anything, and yeah. I would get exhausted. Yeah, I'm wondering. I really think we all had it. So we'll see. Um, or have it or something. Yeah, I'm still not out of the woods yes. yet. Well, um, geez, well, I'm glad your friend is doing better. I mean, stop, I'm in. I'm 46, Stomping Jen. How old are you? 42. 42. Um, God Bucket, how old are you? I'm 44. 44, okay. No, I'm right in the middle. All right, so <laughs> good grief. Well... Thank goodness. Um, so we're still dealing with all of this uh, here. Um, Trump yesterday, so we're recording this on, what, Monday, April 30th? No, not April 30th. March 30th. Thanks, Stomping Jen. You just Jen. advanced us a whole month. Yep. Confusion is another symptom of <laughs> no, COVID-19. <laughs> um, Trump extended the national um, shutdown, the social distancing rules, another month. Right, to April 30th. Until April 30th. You got some of that right. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> Mr. Gutbucket, how are you noticing people are doing with this uh, social distancing they're supposed to be doing? Do you have any observations you can share with us about this? Well, yeah. So it's a little, uh, it's a little dystopian, right? You have, you have in our community. I actually live in a fairly dystopian community as it is. So, so 
some of what I'm describing isn't so unusual, but you, it, it ranges on a spectrum from uh, people are camped out uh, less than six feet from each other, by the way, I, w- I will add, in front of uh, the alehouse waiting day that they can get back in to, mm-hmm. uh, to get their locally sourced brews, mm-hmm. all the way to people who are jumping out of windows because the Armageddon is here. Oh, my God. And and everything in between. And, uh, and um, like, I don't know about you guys, but when, 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 there's, when there's challenging uh, or interesting times like these, so, you know, we all have those go-to things we turn to. So music and art is one of those things. And another one is history. So I've yeah. kind of spent a little bit of time looking at, you know, the last... Um, the last two or three times that major, major pandemics have happened. Yeah. And relative, I mean, they're not in our, in our time, mind you, but, but closest to our time. Mm-hmm. So when you look at like 1918, right. Um, there's a lot of similarities to both the, the mistakes and the, and also some of the positive things we've done so far now. So, yeah. You know, and that that gets a little frightening only from the standpoint of um, of length of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And, I do. And uh, and so you know, uh, so I was not discouraged, but yet by yesterday, by finding out that you know that we're not going to be open for business uh, in every way, shape, or form right, as of uh, Easter. <laughs> you know, yeah. Which, by the way. Yeah, and which, by the way, you know, the reality is this: the states, many states, ours included here, the, the Great Commonwealth, Massachusetts, right? You know, we're we're relatively sober Puritans here, and we 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 kind of figure we got a good thing going for it now, even though it's driving us crazy. You know, maybe staying indoors for a little while longer is probably gonna gonna help help people. So mm-hmm. maybe we do that, but. Um, but so so in a place like here, you know, uh, say a scenario coming in a few months where maybe the federal government says, you know, we're going to open up, and then our state says no, it's really almost in a way uh, it could potentially be a favor to certain employers, and I'm not going to name names here, but there's certain employers in the world who might want to use it as an opportunity to lay people off who don't right. want to go to work, as an example. Or, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, so there's all these different things that happen in a really, really challenging environment like the one we're in right now, really unstable time period. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so... Yeah. Now you're. Yeah. I, I, you know. Yeah. One of the one one of the reasons I wanted to uh, chat with you, uh, aside from you know being a, a cool guy and we have friends in common, um, was that you're a you're a small business owner, uh, and I just kind of wanted a community leader and a community leader, and I kind of wanted to just ask you, you know, how are you dealing with all of this from a business owner? perspective and a community leader perspective. I know that's a lot in one bite to chew off. So, you know, answer that however you want. Well, I, I you know, I drink a lot. <laughs> that helps. You know, that yeah. helps a lot. I'm drinking right now. What, do you, what um, are you drinking? Yeah, what are you drinking? Right now, you know, nothing fancy, some Johnny Walker. Okay, that's a good, that's um, Solid. red, red or black. It's it's red. It's red. Um, there's there's a limited supply here in in our uh, 
in our struggling mill town. Okay. Supplies have dwindled. Desperate, and, desperate, uh, so, desperate times call for desperate measures. I understand. Yeah, and it could be worse. Uh, you know, after this, when we run out of this, then we're going to be drinking Poland Spring Scotch, and that's you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. want to do that, man. Yeah. Um, that, it, Johnny yeah. Walker Red is perfectly serviceable Scotch. I used to drink it all the time, so I approve. There you go. Okay, so aside from drinking, um, what other? How else? How else are you dealing with this? I imagine there's got to be, you know, um, you know, imp- impacts on your business, and go go as far the, go as far as you want to go, or not at, not far at all. It's up to you. The the uh, yeah, that's that's I, I appreciate that. I, the it's been schizophrenic, and and yeah. here's why. So so I have a business that I outright own. This is a privately held business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in uh, music merchandising and music education. And, and I, uh, I've owned it for five years. And the short story is, you know, I bought a distress business. And we started to turn it around, my, my faculty and my, uh, my sales team and I. And we've, for various reasons, which we can get into a bit later, um, you know, we just had one struggle after the next, after the next, which really had to do with, the changing environment in our industry and with hedge funds getting involved at the corporate level and all kinds of complicated issues. And at any rate, the pandemic has really been at a time when we were really trying to shift once again mm-hmm. and find some success. Um, it's pretty much killed off what little business we had left. Okay. So, so, and in fact, we decided we made the decision actually just before the pandemic started to declare bankruptcy on that business. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've started that process, uh, which you can imagine, um, we've tried to accelerate somewhat given the pandemic. Uh, and there's a number of strategic reasons for that. Um, um, not least of which is uh, my attorney has indicated that we really want to file soon because they literally, starting next week, they're one little office alone, he says, we anticipate literally over the next couple of months getting thousands of requests. Yeah. yeah. Not hundreds. Not hundreds. Yeah. Thousands, thousands yeah. of requests for bankruptcy. And, um, you know, not all of which will file, mind you, but, you know, people are weighing their options. Um, and then on the other side of that for the past year, uh, sort of a project that has been on the side of my career for almost a decade kind of, uh, you know, it gained a lot of momentum. And in the end, I actually, um, as I returned back to it from, from time away from it, um, I, I uh, took the opportunity to become its paid executive director. Mm-hmm. And that business is a nonprofit in, uh, in, our, in our community here that is a regionalized nonprofit, and we are a business incubator. Right. And so this past year, I, I used that time to, to create a unique program for it. And we've been implementing that program, and uh, it's gained a lot of momentum. So at one, so on one half of my the time I spend away from my family during the workday uh, has been uh, in a in a disaster movie that's been moving at a you know just a chaotic pace, uh, almost to the point that it, you just have to laugh. And then mm-hmm. the other side has been a truly, I got to tell you, cathartic, right? Because, uh, and also just strange because I spend my days at my incubator uh, advising people 
and helping people start businesses. And on the other side, I've got um, creditors calling me on my other other phone line, uh, right. wanting to find where I live and bomb my house. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, now I and I don't I don't laugh at that because you know because I'm you know it's it's uh, gotten to me mentally or anything like that, but it's. Um, I, because, you know, over the years, I've, I've managed to sort of separate myself from my businesses. So I don't, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I'm not emotionally tied to them. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't wear on me as a person. Uh, and you have to do that in these times, for sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Otherwise, uh, you know, your 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 mental health is is at, uh, really is at a high risk. Um, but yeah, man, it's been strange. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can, uh, and there's, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, I'm thinking about the business incubator, um, and all those fledgling business, businesses and well, the ones that are, that may be fledgling right now or may or may not survive this, but I, I feel like that function is going to be essential after we this get is, through this, right? Yeah. It's going to be really important in helping restore the economy. You know, like looking down the yeah, road. She, she, yeah, well, and, and, and so, you know, my partners and I were talking about this a couple of days ago where, mm-hmm. you know, if, um, to put it in perspective, and I, I don't know if this is right or wrong, this is all speculation, right? We're all speculating this like on a daily basis because things are changing on a daily basis. Right. I don't, as, as much as I, I never give up hope, I'm an optimist. And as long as there are man-made problems, we can always solve them, right? Now that said, this pandemic is bad as it's going to get. It's probably going to come in waves and it's probably going to be for a year or two. Yeah. Uh, it's not the straw that's going to break the camel's back as far as a lot of these other political, social, and economic problems that were already here before the pandemic hit. Right. Uh, I don't think. I would love it if it did. I would love us to take a close examination holistically about a whole bunch of all this stuff, right? But I don't know that that's what's going to happen at a national level, especially. But there's, at the local level, um, there's a way for us, there's a window of opportunity that we're going to have where there's never been a time before this for us and some of our more progressive ideas about how we how we change things in our region that, um, you know, people are getting sick and tired of being sick and tired, I guess, right? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so they're listening. And they're, and they're willing to listen to solutions that they haven't previously been willing to listen to. Right. That, that. And but there's a window of opportunity on that because we're going to return back to some sort of normal, right? And then people are going to be like, "Yeah, whatever." Right. But right now, people are starting to say, "Holy shit!" You know, first of all, we're going to help crisis, but right after this, <laughs> you know, we just spent almost three trillion dollars pumping that into the stock market, and each infusion was just evaporated in a matter of hours, and they had to close the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So. We now have some kind of a economic downturn that might make 2008, 2009 look like child's play. Mm-hmm. And it might look closer to the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? 
And right now, now, for us anyways at the incubator, it's about um, rapidly, even more than we already were, uh, building our war chest and to put, I hate uh, military mechanisms, but that's what it is, and put that money, because we're going to need that money uh, for some of these more progressive ideas that we have for the region. And I think that we'll have more people in power, in powerful positions willing to listen. Um, cause, cause it's pretty clear that the average person around, at least around my part of Massachusetts, which is one of the poorest parts of Massachusetts, that, that, that our, our elite, our, our leadership, not right across the board, but a lot of our leadership has just run out of ideas a long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to hold on to power any way they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, they're about maintaining the status quo and their own comfort and right. their own way of doing things. Yeah. And I talked about this a little bit last week, I think, like, is navigating this, like being a part of a local government right now, like and a small business owner, but like watching people absorb this information, and you know, like it needed, it should ha- have happened all at once, but it couldn't have because people's heads would have exploded if you get my drift. Like people need to like inch their way into like, oh my god this is not, this is really happening. And, you know, like, is this happening? Yes, it's happening. Now we have to do something about it. Well, it goes back to what Gut Bucket was saying, right? I mean, if you are familiar with history, right? right? Contrary to what um, our president says, anyone could have anticipated something like this happening. And even if you pay a moderate surface level amount of attention to media, there have been books, podcasts, movies in the last 10 years. Knowledgeable people talking about this. All talking about the the risk that a pandemic um, poses to the world and our country specifically and how we're not Not prepared. prepared. Right. But it's, you know, so so it's interesting, Mr. Gutbucket. Are you Mr. Gutbucket or just Gutbucket? Anyways. He's um, Mr. Gutbucket. How dare you? If you, if you, you know, because it's you. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to call me gut gut hey <laughs> mr you know, guts well the bucket i don't yeah. you know it's all good but we like we operate in a lot of similar you know kind of mindset so like you know here here i sit uh you know having tried to work on community projects and building community and figuring out ways to bring together community and like creating events to do that and everything and it's like what does that look like moving forward? You know, like when people are like going to be reemerging from the little cocoons that we've now been forced into to keep ourselves all safe. Like, are we all going to be scared of each other when we all come out? Like, are we going to want to be together in big crowds? Like, you know, not me. It's, 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 it's a little nerve wracking. You know, I see like all the work that I've been putting in for the last (laughs) however many years, probably a decade like you. And you know, it's like, Oh my God, it's just, you know, I know people online who just, you know, literally overnight their entire revenue stream is evaporated into thin mm-hmm. air. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's And at it's a crazy. time when, um, when a huge portion of small business, regardless of the industry, first of all, there's, and this is one problem with business, not of any size, is that almost all business now is low margin business, right? Yeah, of course. Um, there aren't, um, so I'll give you a comparison, right? Uh, an example of that, 50 years ago in my chosen profession, music merchandising, uh, the average um, 
net margin on cost of goods sold. So you know you sell a, you sell a saxophone for you know a thousand bucks, and uh, you can expect uh, at that time maybe fifty years ago, well not even fifty, maybe twenty five years ago, that about sixty percent of that thousand bucks was uh, in your pocket. Uh, to pay expenses, right? And after expenses, the owner might take, uh, or the business would take two hundred dollars of that, right? And jump to the era we're in now, and this is not like, and this isn't just retail. This is almost all business. There are very few high margin businesses left in in America. Uh, the, the two biggest ones being uh, finance, uh, specifically investment banking mm-hmm. <laughs> and le- and legal, right? Mm-hmm. And some, some segments of legal are business, but now, so at the end of my, of the retail portion of my business, you were lucky if you could take home a net margin of 40% of gross. Yeah. I have a, a new, and yeah. No, I was going to say, I have a, I have a client. She opened in October, a retail operation. And she's like, when, when can I pay myself? I'm like, I don't know. You just opened a children's bookstore. I don't know when you can pay yourself. You're never going to pay yourself. I don't know how to tell you. I don't know how to answer you that question. You know, it's all going to be. Exactly. How successful you are. And and it's funny, uh, Stomping Jim, because then there's a lot of consultants that will come out and they'll say, well, you know, here's the thing. You're not in the business to sell guitars, man. You sell guitars and you take a loss at selling every one of our guitars so that you can sell music lessons. Mm-hmm. And for for the last 20 years in our business, and it, again, you know, I'm just using our business, but you could just apply this to whomever. So then you say, well, that makes sense. Uh, you know, it's experiential. The net margins, in fact, are really high. Um, and you know, you've got the right relationship with your faculty. It's a really, you know, you're paying them well. You're everyone's happy, right? And and it's recurring, right? right? Every month, mm-hmm. someone's paying us tuition. But here's the problem: that only works in an environment where there's enough of a middle class or upper middle right. class, right. And with demand. with two very important things: they need to have money, money but they also need to have time. Yep. Yeah. So if you're if you're uh, in say sort of a, 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 a place far away from a major metro area, say like Belchertown, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you say, you know, all, all the best, you know, lessons for my kid are in uh, Worcester. Yeah. Well, you know, you even if you have the money, you might not have the time, or even if they're in Amherst, you might not have the time in your schedule with two yeah. parents working to go, see, see, see what I'm saying? So, yeah, so no, and, and it, that... over, over the years, and I would, I would speak at the, in different parts of the country uh, at the industry meetings and stuff, and I'd say these things. Yeah. I was interviewed once for a trade magazine, and they asked me at Christmas, because they asked one business from every state, and they happened to call on ours, and they said, what's your biggest challenge? And usually people give answers like, you know, Oh, we ran out of ukuleles a week before Christmas or something like that. And I, so I said, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get at it this time. And I said, I said, well, my biggest problem is the evaporating middle class. Yeah. I need people to have time and money. Mm-hmm. And they printed that. And they printed this, uh, this usually comes out just before Christmas of that season. And I spent about 
three days after Christmas, there's this wonderful time in Whispery Tale between Christmas and New Year's, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it's like a vacation a little bit, even though you got to be in the store. And I started getting email, uh, emails and, and, and phone calls from different parts of the country. And they would, and they didn't say who they were. It was just they they started yelling things into the phone like communist, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and things like that. And I thought, well, I guess I struck a nerve. And the irony is, I'm striking a nerve fellow retailers mm-hmm. who yeah. who just aren't. They're just afraid to publicly say. You know, to just sort of call out the elephant in the room, you know? Yeah. So I guess my point is, we, we can't, we, you, you can't be afraid to call out the elephant in the room. Right. Because the problem's never going to go away unless we start to just call it what it is. And how do we get the middle class back time? That's a question. Oh Stomping God. Jen and Gut know. Bucket. Crazy. I hear that Stumpy Jen already has all the answers. I'm, I'd, I'd love to hear what she has to say. About <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> Mr. We're, we're, I want to take a pause one second, um, Gut Bucket, because you're dropping some important information here on us. And your 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 phone line sounded a little crunchy to us on that last segment. Stomping Jen, we're making eyes oh. at each other. Are you on your computer or are you on a phone? No, I'm on my phone, but I will say that some of the things that something Jen was saying were also a little crackly. Okay, I'm going to, can you text me your, are you on a home, uh, like a landline or a cell phone? I'm on a cell phone. Can you um, text me your cell phone number? I'm going to try actually calling you direct and bypassing this this portal we're using, and we will um, just try to reconnect with you, see if we get a better um, a better call. Yeah, right. On. Okay, so I'll drop and I'll text and then I'll wait for your call. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Yep, yeah, okay. All right, Stomping Jen, we're going to take a little pause. Okay. That's pretty scary, what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Time and money. Time and money. Time and money and people calling him a communist. Did somebody call him a communist? Yeah, you couldn't I hear missed him. that. I know, See, you couldn't hear I, him. I missed that. I could hear him. We're going to have to address that. Yeah, <laughs> the people calling him a communist. Yeah. Hopefully because he was calling out the truth. Yeah. People don't want to face the truth. All right, let's call him. This will be better. You think so? Yeah. Yes. Oh, this is much better. better. So, yeah. so gut bucket. Well, that is much better. Wow. I yeah. didn't realize how bad the uh, Zoom Mine was, yeah. 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 How come it was so bad last time? Ugh, I don't know. So Probably because everybody in the world's on freaking Zoom. Ugh, so no, we I weren't. We're not going to do that again. I... It's all right. What I missed, um, Gut Bucket, was Stomping Jen said you were being called a communist. I totally yes, missed that. I, I've I've been a key. Uh, you know, this is not something that happens all the time. And having spent almost twenty years, if not twenty years, on stage having shit thrown at me in almost <laughs> all the lower contiguous 40, 48 states. I'm not lying. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's okay to people. But I, I occasionally am accused of being either a communist or a Marxist or generally a radical leftist, and, which I find funny considering that, um, you know, I, I run a business incubator and I espouse all of the cornucopia of positives that is – Capitalism. <laughs> right. It even just sounds good, doesn't it? Capitalism. Uh, not to me. 
I mean, I, 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 I yeah, I'm, I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite a communist, but I'm, I, you know, I feel like I'm definitely a socialist. And after this whole, um, fucking pandemic fiasco and the exposure of exactly how shallow and weak our ability to care for people is and how, um, for-profit healthcare is a fucking paper tiger. Um, I just, I, 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 I don't want to say we need, we need to, we need to somehow seize this moment and really make a change. You know, the kind of changes that Bernie Sanders was advocating for. And I'm afraid, you know, I'm just, I'm afraid, what I'm afraid of is we're going to get on the other side of this. And like we always do, people are going to say, forget things need to change. We can never go back. And that's we exactly will. what we're going right to do. Back. Right back. So maybe we're... That's my fear. Well, and that's, and so, you know, a moment ago, uh, and you're right. And a moment ago, uh, we were talking about, um, what were we talking about? It was really fucking good. Um, um your, your, when you went to the trade show and you. Well, well yeah. And, and the, yeah. the, the idea that, remember, I, I was talking about that window of opportunity, right? Where mm-hmm. a few more people than normal in powers of, in, in positions of power are, are likely going to want to hear a different story, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what you're, um, expressing right now. And, um, we have to seize it. it, you know, on the 15th, um, over and over again, Joe Biden in his, in the, uh, in the debate were kept saying over and over again, what we need is solutions, not revolution. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, actually the solution that we need is, is in fact a revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is revolution. If not now, then, mm-hmm. you know, how bad does it have to get now? Mm-hmm. Well, what, yeah. what 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 this process right now is exposing, first of all, pandemics like this are natural and they're going to happen. Right. The fact that it's happening while we're here and we can we've never really had to experience we our lifetimes have been have coincided with, albeit, um, you know, uh, uh, a downturn, uh, at least from our perspective, economically, but generally speaking, um you know, this isn't our grandparents or a great grandparents time period. Right. You know what I mean? As mm-hmm. if the labor movement uh, strife wasn't enough. They get hit with a pandemic. Oh, by the way, you're going to go fight World War One. Right. Let's see what else. Oh, if you were in Russia, you know, well, you're screwed because it's a revolution going on. But before that, most of the country's starving. You know, the, the world was going through a similar phase like we are mm-hmm. now of a lot of uh, strife and stability, right? Yeah. Um. So we're, we're, this is also about us as a people learning, and I say us, you know, globally, we're learning how to deal with something we haven't had to deal with before. And that's entirely, I, I'm waiting for one leader somewhere at the municipal, state, or federal level just to say in the first place, the pandemic we're dealing with, there are issues stemming from it that are man-made problems. But, you know, first and foremost, this is a natural occurrence that, you know, Mother Nature's in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need to recognize that, and I think if we do, our attitude towards this whole thing sort of shifts a little bit. Yeah, and the only one who has said anything remotely like that is Fauci, Dr. Fauci. Um, you know, he kind of has been, in, at least in the last week, telling people, we don't make the timelines, the virus makes the timelines, right? We have to listen to the virus. Like, right. This is going to sound incredibly callous, 
you know, I even though 200,000 people dead is incredibly tragic, and especially since a percentage of those was likely preventable um, if, you know, Trump had acted earlier, um, I fear it's not going to be enough to make an impact on people to really make it obvious how much we need a revolution in the way we administer healthcare in this country, um, in how we um, feed the poor, how we um, capitalize every fucking thing in our society to try to squeeze every fucking dollar out of it. You know, like, um, I was, I, I'm friends with somebody online who posted something today about, um, Airbnb owners who are complaining because they've bought up, um, a lot of free real estate in their communities. Um, and now they're going, um, they're going broke and they can't pay their mortgages because they can't rent all of these homes, um, and apartments that they have, um, because nobody can move around and they're complaining, but like, you know, housing is a human right, right? Shelter is a human right. Like if you try to capitalize that and you're removing, you know, removing those spaces that people need to live from communities, um, you know, to profit, it's just wrong. In my, well, in and my I, view. and I, yeah. I share, I share in your, I, I think I, I'm, I'm going to guess I share in what you guys espouse fundamentally, but I share right now specifically mm-hmm. in this idea that, you know, that this, um, you know, our, our, uh, the people who hold the, the, the true power for our country and uh, and many of those people also are part of the power elite globally, in in business and in a government. Um, their 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 lives are their professional lives are, are spent a lot in dodging bullets, and so this is a bullet they're trying to dodge, right? right. And so it becomes a crap game, and 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 this pandemic is exposing. Although, you know, again, it, it, you know, the worse it gets, it, it exposes it to more and more people. Um, so the question is, is it going to expose it to enough of disgruntled people who have their eyes open? Um, but generally speaking, it's exposing us to all of the problems of, you know, what, what happens with a privatized system. So it's not and not just health care, but, you know, it's all the major systems, energy, um, food. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, and now we see all the weaknesses in a privatized system, in a, in a healthcare system where we've determined, generally speaking, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush now, but sure. generally speaking, we determined the number of beds by what is profitable or could be profitable for that given community or region. Uh, well, uh, that's almost never going to be enough beds for when the worst case scenario happens. Ironically enough, then some would say, well, then it's very simple. We take over the public spaces for those beds on, 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 on its merit, on its, on its, uh, sort of ground level. I'm okay with that, but mm-hmm. isn't it interesting how the privatized side people instantly want to then take over the public trust <laughs> to right. make up for their, yeah. for their inequities. Right. That's so right. and you and this, this 
this um, mimics itself over and over again all over the place. We also see the weakness in a debt system. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, fundamentally, our economic system for some time now is based on uh, I become in hawk uh, with my credit card or with my, you know, uh, loans and mm-hmm. so so forth to smaller, relatively community-based financial institutions who in turn are in hawk to larger financial institutions institutions who are in hot to ever larger institutions right. until you get to investment banking. And we divide those debts up into smaller pieces. Right. We then reconstitute them in mixed pieces. We call these, you know, uh, Cre- uh credit, Yeah, credit def- this is the whole credit default swap um Correct. disaster you're I think I think you're describing. Uh, well, I yep. am, and in fact, we do this with not just housing debt, but we do it with all kinds of debt. Right. And and um, and even though it, we would have loved to have restricted it from the last recession, uh, almost none of it was made illegal. And anything that was made illegal, we're just ignoring those laws anyhow. So all of this was allowed to to uh, recur. It, it never stopped, really, and right. it's and it's been happening all along for the last twelve years, thirteen years. So, and it's about all all of it is about uh, to burst. And yeah. even if it wasn't, there are a number of other um, economic and social reasons to not continue that that um, you know that process. Yeah. Uh, when when hedge funds are allowed to take over entire segments of an industry. And use those dummy businesses as a tax shelter, and 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 infuse those businesses with tens or hundreds of millions of dollars of cash, and the end result is that all other small independent business in that industrial sector cannot compete, and when they do try to compete aggressively, um, the 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 uh, the corporate managed. Uh, you know, competitors use the courts against independent businesses right. or, you know, or any of the other, you know, bullshit tactics that are used. And then it just hollows out the entire industry. It's really just a 21st century form of the extraction economy that built the country where we extracted, you know, from the earth. And when we ran out of that, uh, we would extract people and when slavery becomes illegal, we just simply extract uh, labor mm-hmm. in the form of wage slavery in mills. Right. And when that becomes a problem, we extract intellectual property from people. I mean, think about it, right? Our, our incubator builds business plans, mm-hmm. and then we seek leaders right. to run those businesses. Now, the reason, one of the reasons why we do that is because we're disgusted by this process by which universities have pitch contests and mm-hmm. and you know and you have shark tank and all this yeah we're training young people to anticipate that you're supposed to come up with some really cool ideas yeah and then we're gonna we're gonna pay you an award and we're gonna take over that idea that intellectual mm-hmm. property right and almost none of it's ever gonna see the light of day mm-hmm. yeah i we have a friend who went through that whole process we do down in springfield yeah oh <clears throat> All right, never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, I yeah. want to say, but I don't want to say it on, oh, okay. on air. All right. Tell me later. Yeah. All right. So, but somebody so who went we through are, VVM yeah. and like okay. nothing came of it. VVM after. is Valley Venture Valley Mentors. Valley Venture Mentors, yep. right? And, okay. you know, she didn't get anything out of it. Okay. 
Do you know who I'm talking and, about? Yeah. Well, and so, and you have this happening, and it's the equivalent, okay, of, uh, let's, let's get really detailed. That's the equivalent of, it's 1913, and I'm a white guy from New York City, mm-hmm. and I travel to the Mississippi Delta, and, I, and I'm just driving around, man, and, and I'm down dirt country roads, and I see this black guy sitting on a porch, and he's playing guitar, he's between shifts out in the cotton field, and... And whatever he's playing, I don't really have to like it or not, but I, I can sense it is the real deal. And I know I can mm-hmm. sell a lot of records if I record that. And I walk over to that man and I say, hey, man, I tell you what, I'll give you 10 bucks if you just sing your little song and play your pick your guitar right into this little machine right here. Yeah. And the guy in the porch says, oh, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah. And he does it. And then the white guy goes back to New York City and makes a million records with it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Elvis Presley, you motherfucker. And it's the <laughs> and it's the beginning of the record business, yeah. right? So it, it's um, so much of our economy mm-hmm. is based on what I call the extraction economy. It's not an original idea to me. I shouldn't say it's my, you know, I call it. But um, we need to get away from that. So what is the solution? How do we get? How do we get away from this this debt based extraction economy? What what where do we go? Let's say let's say we get on the other end of this pandemic and we all wake up and we say we've got to do things differently, Mr. Gutbucket. Lead us. <laughs> what are we going to do? All right, I'm I'm reaching deep into the bucket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I'm not going to profess to have all the answers. Sure. I will tell you what we're doing. Uh and um part of it is um, encouraging in a variety of different ways. Well, first of all, in the incubator, you know, we have this this leadership candidacy program, which which I just described, right? So mm-hmm. instead of us awarding money and resources to somebody to a business plan that probably doesn't have any um, relevance to the current marketplace we're in. We're, we're writing business plans and we're saying, all right, who are the prototypers? Who are the manufacturers? Who are the engineers? Who are the service people in our area? Who are the artists? Right. Who are the, what does our marketplace look like? Right. Mm-hmm. And then we're writing business plans that we feel for those and a variety of other reasons are going to be relevant to this marketplace. And then we're going out in the contest well, is to seek people who want to be the CEOs of these companies that we're creating. Okay. And we have money and we have you know resources to put towards that. In other words, we're getting rid of the bullshit. My partner in all this, um, one of the one of the mentors that's uh, been a, a key part of building the incubator, his name is Dave Lebelvic. And Dave keeps using, because Dave and I and, and you guys too, we're all around the same age, right? So, so we probably all have seen the real world, right, yep. back in the day when MTV played, you know, music <laughs> and the real world. And, and, and he's like, you know, what we're doing is we're, 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 we're getting to a point where we stop being polite and we start getting real. Right. <laughs> right. So everything Hashtag we're doing, real world. <laughs> you know, full disclosure, right. Uh, we're in North central Massachusetts yep. and our region is roughly from a town called Devons. Yep. They used to be the military installation all the way to orange. <laughs> I was, I have, North I was stationed at Devon's mm-hmm. when I was in the military, got buckets. I know the area well. Right on. Yep. So, 
So formerly major manufacturing, believe it or not, there's three or 400 manufacturers still here. There's still a lot of vibrant stuff going on here. The problem is it doesn't employ very people. And for various reasons, particularly in the urban communities in this region, um, you know, there's, there's a certain uh, member of the well-established people in these cities um, you know, frankly, you know, the status quo works for them because folks are willing to work for, you know, eight bucks an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then you got non uh, townies that have moved out here over the years, uh, my family included, because, you know, there's cheap housing. And mm-hmm. we, we lived in, um, in, in my wife and I, our case, we lived in Lowell for 10 years before this. And so we, we know what it, what it's, we wanted to be in a mill town, but we wanted to be at the beginning of the process, not the end. Right. And what we didn't realize is that if you do that, you can, you can potentially get yourself shot in, uh, no, I'm, I'm exaggerating <laughs> only slightly. It's, it's contentious. Mm-hmm. Let, let me put it this way. We've earned the right to be, citizens of the city we live in right but you am i hearing you in saying you you feel like there's some portion of the people who do view you as the 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 white knight gentrifiers riding in to take over their city the irony is so there's a little bit of that yeah and then there's also the listen man this ain't none of your business move on right you were supposed to move to amherst you were supposed to move to northampton yeah there's plenty of that around. Uh, I live in a very red part of what's otherwise surrounded by a very blue part of the state. Mm-hmm. And that anger really comes from uh, uh, decades and decades of under-resourcing and under-educating people who are otherwise very well-educated and very smart. Mm-hmm. And, but they've been so angry for so long, they just don't know where to center that anger right. anymore. Yeah. You know, remember that particularly for our city um, – which was mostly centered for 150 years on furniture making, unlike the cities around us, mm-hmm. people, uh, people here, it's an oral tradition, not unlike jazz music or any other folk tradition, right? You, you learn your craft by doing and by, by mentoring from people that have been doing it longer than you. Right. Apprenticeship. Passing it down. Yeah. Like apprenticeship in a way. Right. And yeah. I got to tell you that lasted in our city until years ago that like deindustrialization didn't happen here a hundred years ago like it did in in cities around us like Fitchburg or Greenfield or Mm -hmm. Athol it happened that the end of it really happened 15 years ago it was really in the last recession and it didn't happen because the businesses here weren't successful it happened because the owners that were they were privately held for a long period of time and beginning at the end of the 80s they started to sell the businesses to hedge funds and to other publicly traded entities. Mm-hmm. And those entities made them more efficient. In some cases, they even added employees right. and made them profitable. And right at the moment that they were the most profitable, by and large, they sold them off to liquidate them and make and, and turn, turn a profit off of the liquidation. Jesus fucking Christ. So, and, and that's not every single business. For each business, Every entity or family, in some cases, had to make a decision. And that's the other thing I want to say here is there, for every business, there is a different story, just like for every person there's a different story. But there are some patterns, and, and one of those patterns, for at least for the publicly traded set, is this idea – they're like cockroaches. They just come in to create 
mm-hmm. profitability so that they can liquidate that profitability and they'll make a fee off of every off of every transaction that's right. part of that. And then communities throughout the United States or Canada or other places are just left in the dust. So this is all like a huge sidebar to what you initially asked me. So (laughs) besides besides the program Mm -hmm. at our incubator, you know, it's basically – our rule of thumb is we take a strong look at everything that's fucked up and that's been done wrong for a long period of time. And then we just do the opposite. Yeah. And then, you know, especially well-established and well-moneyed people say, well, that's all well and good, but, you know, how the fuck do you do that? Because that's right. just bullshit. Yeah. And then we say, and we look, no, it is, it's not bullshit because, see, we're not part of the money set, so we got nothing to lose. Right. <laughs> so, so when I say we're going to go off and we're going to go do this program, you know, uh, we've got great support. In our case at the incubator, I've got great support from my board. Mm-hmm. We've got good mentors. We've got people who are true believers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what's happened is, is more and more pressure is being put on, on just the citizens around us and the other businesses around us. Right. And they're starting to say, maybe this old system ain't working anymore. Yeah. But that's really at the crux of it. And beyond that, uh, we've looked you know, regionally, uh, we're looking uh, not too far from, from where Stomping Gen and, and um, Sawtooth Frank hail, just north of you in the mm-hmm. North Robin region, mm-hmm. which is our western yep. area. And, and then east throughout, um, you know, we've been looking at different opportunities. Like, But it starts with understa- deeply understanding, which takes time, deeply understanding where the wounds are in each one of those cities and towns. And then really understanding the the localized economic environment that is there and then saying, well, you know, what are the different things that we might be able to do in this community that might work? Yeah. That seems a lot. Detailed work. It's tough work. This takes a long time. It's not, um, it's, it's everything that is not short term and is careless thinking and is thoughtless, uh, and it's exactly why everyone around us has told us we're crazy and it's never going to work. But yeah. in these times, it's exactly why I know it's going to work. But it seems a lot harder than a um, socialist police state. It seems what? It a, seems a, what? a lot harder than a socialist police state. I think that would be easier. <laughs> That's what you think we need. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> just what you're what you're describing sounds like a lot of hard work. It is a lot of hard work. Yeah. I think we need a, a kind um a kind socialist benefactor to um Are you talking about Bernie? run a socialist police state. Yes, stomping Jen. <laughs> I would be a great socialist police state leader. You have to you have to promise me something though. Yes. The uniforms have to be fucking kick ass. <laughs> you know they will, Mr. Gut Bucket. They'll be <laughs> the best uniforms suitable for old people bending over to pick things up. But with a stretchy fabric. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Like yes, yes. Yes. Exposed buttocks. Mr. Gutbucket. I'm a big fan of these fabrics they offer at um, Old Navy. <laughs> they look like blue jeans, but they stretch like spandex. I wear them. Something, Jen, do you let, let Sawtooth Frank shop 
at, at Old Navy? Yes. Um, yes, she does. Do I let him? He doesn't let me buy him anything. No. Anyways, yeah, no. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> there is something more behind there. Do you not, you don't, you don't. Um... Oh, that's all I wear, gut bucket, is Old Navy. Yeah. No, I, I did not know that. Yeah, is no. Old Navy a bad place to shop at? Fast, uh, fast fashion, right? Fast fashion. They they do not pay good wages. They do not they pay they do not pay a living wage. They are not unionized, and they offer shit for health insurance. Joe Biden, <laughs> Joe Biden shops at Old Navy. <laughs> That's who shops there. Stumping Jen. Old Navy, the solution, not the revolution. Yes, and if you think that motherfucker is gonna win the Democratic primary, you got another thing coming to you. We could still win. We can still go all the way. We've got to win Wisconsin. Isn't it ridiculous? I don't even know. Like, is the campaign what? It moved online? Is that? Yeah, it's all online now. But like, who's paying attention? Yeah. Everybody's freaked out and buying toilet paper. Yeah. So, so listen now. Now I know I'm in good company here with yes. um, with Bernie. Supporters. Yes. And Bernie Sanders himself, Mister <laughs> Cupcake. <Gutbuck. laughs> and it, right. <laughs> and even Mister Sanders is here. Yes. Um. So, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, uh, so. Forget all of the contentious nature of this political season. It must be tough to run a campaign during a pandemic. Oh my God! That's, yeah, you gotta you gotta appreciate the people. Like think of, think of the twenty somethings that are running this campaign right now, and they're like, "Oh, sure, <laughs> pandemic." Just add that to the list. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually quite worried that this is going to be a fucking Trojan horse um, for Trump to fuck around with the election in the fall. Um, and, and, There's something interesting, because yeah. my wife and I, that's it, when we do talk about politics, that's been a, a lot of our conversation mm-hmm. has been, yeah, are we gonna even going to have an election in November? Hard yeah. to say. Hard to say. I we, mean, we uh, have like a select board member leaving, and like we need to have a local election. We don't even know like what's going to be. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I was going to say, just to kind of wrap up um, our community and business um, part of the conversation, was I think one potential panacea to a lot of this is having worker-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen. You know, and, and I think out here in Western Massachusetts, There's we have a, a couple, bunch, yeah. more than a couple. Um, yeah. One one big company. I mean, there's been a couple of companies, really big national companies, that have um, turned over to worker-owned businesses, um, and I think that that's one thing that might help fight against some of this um, um, extraction economy, um, and you know the stuff that Mr. Gutbucket was talking about. So I don't know. I'm I'm not. This is not my forte. It's you know, not. No, there are there are yeah. no two cooperatives or other types of employee-owned scenarios alike. Mm-hmm. But um, it's funny because you don't. Well, what you see, generally speaking, are the are the employee-owned business models and the businesses themselves. They they all seem to be relatively successful on excuse me on the surface, and that's because the ones that survive do, in fact, you know, they have a lot of success. Uh, what you don't see are the ones that fail. Right. I, I can't tell you right now statistically what the, you know, what exactly is the failure rate of those businesses as compared to other business models. Um, 
uh, I'm going to guess that it tracks similar to other business models. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In certain circles, that concept generally is treated like, oh, it's exotic or it's, you know, Mm -hmm. those things are impossible. They never work. um, That's just simply not true. Yeah. And and what I I guess my, I think the thing I'm trying to express is not whether or not um, the business will be successful or not, because I understand that. Like, you know, businesses rise and they fall and, you know, that happens. But what I was thinking about is if there's any firewall we have against corporate raiders, like hopefully it's that if the employees of a company like feel like they own it themselves and feel like the value in that company comes from their work, you know, and their investment and their production, and maybe that's not for sale you know, to... Well, there's there's a yeah. great example of this, Sawtooth Frank, yep. in Clinton, Massachusetts. Sure. There's a, a medical device plastics manufacturer called Nipro. Okay. And the gentleman, when I first came to these shores that I'm in now, yep. the gentleman that at that time ran Nipro was a privately held company, and he had been there forever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the town depended on this mill thousands of people working there yep and uh and when i first came to this region he uh he was in the process of creating what they call an employee stock option okay company right which he successfully did um the process was was by and large a successful one it preserved a community it preserved the 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 company mm-hmm. and the employees decided and executive management decided after the ESOP was created, they took their asset class, their, their, the, the, the value that they had in the company. And they, uh, partnered with, um, a Florida based company that really liked the product menu that okay. they had yep. and their capacity as a company. And so bought them. And to this day, it's successfully run. Um, both, uh, you know, the, 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 they've created this even larger company between, um, you know, locations in Florida and in Clinton, and I think they have a couple of locations in different parts of North America. And it's successfully running, and thousands of people work for that company. And the owner, Gordon, you know, ended up doing all right. Everybody won. Yeah, everybody got something. And uh, in more ways than one, there were a bunch of different measurables about about what success, how success was measured in that case. And this is this this should have been the the story of uh, Toys R Us as an example, right? Yeah. Instead, you know, the owner of Toys R Us made a fateful mistake and he sold it to a hedge fund, and then right. you know, a much different story right. happened. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, everything you said is not wrong. Yeah. It's just that we're not doing these things right. a lot. There's a number of com- of reasons why we don't do them. The the number of reasons is varied because there's a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas on the planet. Mm-hmm. But that having been said, the reasons why they do it are all very simple and most of them have to do with greed and avarice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know. It's true. You just we all make choices. Yeah. But you know, I think in the, in the example in the example you provided where where you know, where, I think if the if the employees and the workers of that company and that were um, helping sustain that mill town, you know, primarily made that decision themselves based on whatever this company from Florida 
presented them and told them, then, you know, that, that, that's a decision that the, that the workers and the, the community then take responsibility for, right? Versus, um, you know, a couple of people at the top who are, you know, trying to make money. I don't know. I, I mean, that feels a little better to me in some way. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah. it's every every business is different, and mm-hmm. the outcomes become very different. Yeah. And at the, I'm I'm not trying to be careful on purpose, other than, you know, like I one thing I don't like to do is put words in the mouths of people who whom I don't know or I don't know their exact situation. Yeah. You know why they made the decision. Sure. They did. Uh, we can talk clearly about consequences, though. Yeah. You know what I mean. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I I might not be able to fault an individual business owner or, or a yeah. peer of mine for a decision he or she makes, except I can fault the outcomes. And, um, you know, we've just been in this process in this company of liquidating uh, tangible value, and we turn it into liquid cash that somebody then takes. Mm -hmm. But increasingly, for a very long time, that liquid cash doesn't make it back into the tangible economy. And we've long since gone through this process of, you know, we, we don't, um, the economy isn't really most of us, right? It doesn't need us. It, it, we're, we're, when we are needed, it's as collateral for gambling on the stock market, that is, right? You know, yeah. in our 401ks and whatnot. That's right. But they really don't even need that. They, they, you know, they're trading money for the sake of money and creating value arbitrarily. Our Fed does that, right? So we, uh, at the beginning of this, uh, this past uh, month, um, roughly, I think from the 13th through the 16th or 17th, somewhere in the neighborhood in three different cash infusions. I think there were three different cash infusions. Yeah. One was 500 billion. Yep. The weekend we saw 1.5 trillion. And mm-hmm. then after that, $800 billion. Yep. These were cash infusions into treasury bonds. And the point was into the stock market. So the point was to get this money into the stock market and it would be traded and yep. then it would, it would, it would, um, it would buoy the value of the dollar. That's right. And with each cash infusion, <laughs> the, it, it only took like two to three hours each time. They had to close the mm-hmm. uh, domestic stock market because all of that was evaporated. Yep. Right. Yep. But that really wasn't evaporated. That money was traded. Yeah. So who, who made money? Do you know who made money in the, in that case? I th- the, the traders, the people conducting the the transactions, skimming. Well, this is it. You know, yeah. fund managers. The only the only real money, the only real value yeah. that was created in those cases, is that fund managers or the people who make the money that's made off of trade. Yeah, the fees got to get, get to put money. The fees they got to put money in in a bank account. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Now you you cannot tell me that the Fed didn't know before infusing that money that that was going to happen. And keep in mind that uh, a sol- I don't know what the percentage is, so forgive me, but a solid number of trades every day done on the American stock market, on the U.S. stock market, rather, are made by computer. And the computers aren't being uh, manually managed by people. They're all, it's all um, algorithms that are, that are controlling this. This accounts for the fact that we have such instability in the stock market. Stopping Jen is laughing because one of the things I constantly <laughs> complain about are these financial engineers who work for hedge funds and the stock market who write algorithm, algorithms that siphon 
money out of our economy at the fraction of a millisecond all day long. Like office space. Yes. And, yes. and in the beginning of that process, you probably know, um, you know, like computers, servers were literally put a mere inches from each other closer to them, physically closer to the market mm-hmm. because the, the fractions of a fraction of a second yep. faster, they could get a leg up. And they were yep. paying hundreds of millions of dollars in cases in real estate transactions just to be in the same building, but to be just an inch or two closer, yeah. right, to the New York Stock Exchange. Stupid, stupid it, how it, it, just a misuse of human capital, a misuse of technology. Yeah. If I mean, do we need any other physical manifestation of the golden calf and of false gods i mean it's just stupid yeah and people and yeah go ahead sorry no i was gonna say and 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 we and so i see i i know that this exists you know that this exists oh yeah and yet um and yet uh and you know this you have this in the back of your mind and then you sit in your office and you have people coming in who uh their goal is to you know, I'd like to start a cleaning company because, you know what, you know, after I lost my $50 an hour paying job 15 years ago making furniture, mm-hmm. I haven't been able to make more than $9 an hour since then. And right. I'm just sick and tired of it. And I just like, even if I don't make much money for the business, I'd like to, I'd just like to feel like a, a man or a woman again. Yeah, I want to have some. I want to have some, you know, Dignity. pride or a sense of a Dignity. sense of purpose in life. Yeah, and, and, not and, just the money, but the yeah. meaning behind the work I do. Yeah. And I look at that and I say, how is it? How is it with all this monetary wealth going on, and how arbitrary it is? It's ones and zeros. How is it that they can't share? Just, I mean, how much would it take to make everybody else? Yeah. To, to put it, 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 I'll put it this way: to inject enough wealth into the tangible economy yeah. that every one of those people could be making more than a comfortable living middle class wage. No, everybody's going to get a thousand dollars if you make less than a hundred thousand. So you and I aren't going to get any money, right? And then uh, they're going to get all these tax shelters out of all of this, and. All the other people are just going to be left with nothing. And, people, and all of these small businesses, they get to take out a loan. That's what they get. That's what, that's their relief. That's the money that the, that the feds are giving them, a loan. It goes An back, interest-free loan. And it goes back to- Well, what, remember, remember yeah. something, Jen. This is a debt-based right. economy. Exactly. The extraction but, economy. And, and this is where we turn this conversation around, right? What we have to do, because there's way more of us than there are of- Revolution. Right? So- <laughs> So here's the thing. The goddamn and, and I, fucking know, right. <laughs> Viva la revolution. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Viva la revolution. So you have so you have this debt economy, and this is what has our elite scared, right? It's because because when in in a debt based economy, when literally you have something that you can't control, like I don't know, a pandemic, like something Mother Nature does, mm-hmm. right? This is why, by the way, we don't talk about climate change in a serious manner it's not because it's it's it is but it's not because the best way to fight climate change is a decentralized energy series of energy systems which is good for entrepreneurship but bad for major energy companies it's not because you change your transportation system it's not because you drastically change systems it's that it's going to end the debt-based you know the leveraged 
financial model of our economy. Because that makes a shit ton of money for the people at the very, very top. Because it can only be. It's trickle up. Right. Cup bucket right? for president. But the only way that system works is if it's actually working. Like, you can't take a break from it. Right. Because physically, somebody's got to pay somebody the debt to pay to this person, then pay to that person, pay to that person. So that's how it trickles up. So, you know, I'm not, this is not, uh, I'm not saying that we find ways as long as possible to ex- to just stop the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, but, but globally we should all be seriously considering, well, you know, so, you know, um, this is the reason why unions are so despised, right? And that we're not supposed to like unions because, well, you know, that's not even needed anymore. You know, we don't need that. All you educated people, you know, with your college educations, you don't need to join a union. Yeah, and what's interesting? Why do we need to have organized labor? Yeah. You don't need that anymore. That's for stupid yeah. people. And as right? a co, as a co-president of a union that represents primarily professional staff, right? These are people who do pretty well, right? I, you know, convincing convincing these people that we actually need a union prior to the pandemic was often a challenge, but I will tell you. Mm-hmm. As a result of this pandemic and some of the protections we were able to at least temporarily put into place for people, um, I've never seen so much engagement and like recognition of the value that unions are providing that I'm seeing right now. It's, it's amazing. And because we, in short, because we've had it, generally speaking, we've had, enough of us have had it good enough for as long as we have, you know, if there's any good to come out of this, there's this massive sort of like, you know, stop the insanity, stop the uh, momentum of daily life, and then really seriously consider what counts. And this, by the way, is also another reason why, um, you know, because we all, the three of us, share a lot of the same friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, this is a conversation that, um, you know, I can't remember his, his uh, handle right now. What was, uh, the, what, we, we share uh, friendship with the great warrior poet. Of where oh, he's just Joshua he's just Michaels. J- Joshua Michaels. Oh, really? Yeah, he, okay. he doesn't have so, a handle. He gave up the ghost and he went. He went with his. He wanted government the promotion and, for yeah. his poetry. <laughs> he's so he's so fucking famous. You know, he's the warrior. He's Joshua Michaels too, the warrior poet. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what he is, man. You know, like he and I. So we grew up together, and and one really positive thing to come out of our our having you know come up together. Is, is the foundation on which we sort of built ourselves, right? This foundation of, of a deep sense of culture and of connection to that which came before us. And for us, uh, you know, together, that was less about family, but more about, um, you know, culturally, like the, mm-hmm. the music we played and yeah. the poetry and the writing that we both, um, you know, enjoyed and so forth. Right. And, and, but we're based in a solid foundation of that, right. Of, of this oral 
tra- these oral traditions, right, that are who we are and stuff. Um, just if there's any good to come out of all of this process, uh, I'm I'm hoping that we can that a lot of people will get back to thinking about that mm-hmm. and about the importance of understanding what came before you and where you come from. And then, you know, like what, what kind of lessons you want to take from the past to reconstitute a better future. Yeah. God. And what's that going to look like? You know what I'm hoping. And what is that going to look like? You and, know, well, well, you know what you're, so I'm 44 Stomping Jen is what you say. You're 36. 42. Oh, I 42. wish he was 36. Oh, look at that. He just took oh, off. Oh, I just woke years. up. I remember 36 year old Stomping Jen. What a spitfire. Woo. Woo. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that word spitfire in a long time. <laughs> oh, but, you know, like, like so, so here's the good news. Like, yeah. this is up to us. Yeah. You know, the people older than us are just. You know, they're just broken people, and they don't understand what they're reading on social media. So discount them entirely. Just get rid of them. Just They all need to just retire. And the people younger than us are ready to fight and just need – but they need some perspective. They need some, you know, all right, let's, let's hone what this is all going to look like. You know what I mean? And the fact of the matter is the, the, the reason right now why our guy isn't winning per se and Biden is getting the attention he's getting besides just abject fear on the part of the elite. They're like, Oh my God, Oh my God, <laughs> we can't let these people have everything they've always wanted right. is that, you know, I, I was listening the other night to, um, there's, there's an economist that I, I like. He's pretty much the only economist I like, but his name is Mark Blythe. Uh, he's, he's entertaining as well as just, I happen to agree with a lot of what he says. And, you know, like he said, he's like, you know, until the, uh, he uses an example, the suburbs of Atlanta, he said, until the upper middle class people in the suburbs of Atlanta, uh, listen to the message of Bernie and it resonates not principally with them, but like Mm -hmm. to their daily life, you know, at best you have 11 to 14% of the population who are living what Bernie's talking about. Right. And even, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I would say even, you know, there's, there's a, there's a sizable amount of people in the middle class who on paper should be doing pretty well. Right. But just feel, feel like Sisyphus, you know, just pushing that boulder uphill and never able to get it up there, you know, and having to do it all over again repeating the the work accumulate debt pay off debt work and again like on paper these people you know seem like they should be doing pretty good but really they are um they're they're debt slaves and they're living paycheck to paycheck and they're not materially different from for whatever reason people who weren't able um you know, to to make the transition from a, a lower level economy into the middle class. And, you know, you're just an illness or a paycheck away from being totally broke. It's scary. Well, and, and so until enough yeah. people who live paycheck to paycheck, regardless of their socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. You know, because largely when when common when we're just commonly in in common vernacular, right? When we're just having a conversation, 
we're taught, you know, social economic statuses is, you know, he makes 50,000, he makes 130,000, right? You know, that kind of thing, like gross revenue, right? Mm -hmm. But until we all realize that like 90% of us are living paycheck to paycheck, regardless of how much gross is coming in, right? (laughs) you know what I mean? And and, and then, and then the next step is people got to say, well, wait a minute, like deep down inside, this is the hard part. Deep down inside, people have to realize, well, wait a minute, this doesn't have to be this way. Right. This is a man-made system. It's arbitrary. And actually, it's not all that old. It's like a half century old. It's not even a half century yeah. old. It's gradually create, been created a half century, mm-hmm. you know, which is like a sketch in time. So this doesn't have to be this way. No. We can we can actually change it because there's way more freaking of us than there are the people in charge. And it's just a lot of wasted talent. You know what I mean? There's people even of our generation that went to school, like their talents aren't being used to their optimum heights. You know what I mean? Because we just don't hear from them. And I love, you know? Yeah. And I love that you pointed out that it is a young system. It's young enough to kill, right? It like, it almost got killed in 2008, but the fucking, the federal government rescued it. Right. Um, you know, maybe, maybe with Mother Nature's help this time, it'll be enough to kill it. I don't know, but something has got to change, right? We all agree on that. Can we agree on that, Stomping Jen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mr. Gut yeah, Bucket? I agree with that. All right. I agree with that, man. All right. From the bottom of my bucket. All right. <laughs> You've got a deep bucket, too. I have a feeling you can go another hour. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to have you back, Mr. Gut Bucket. I'm going to play a song right now. Um we're at an hour and forty. We're at an hour and forty minutes. Can you believe oh this? Oh my god! Are you kidding? Holy shit! Yeah. What's the longest? What's the longest podcast you've ever had? Over three hours, and we're not even going to try, Mister Gut Bucket. Stomping Jen's falling asleep over here. <laughs> <laughs> she's not really, but I, I can tell she's about to. I am um, tired. You are tired. I am yeah. fatigued because I have the COVID. I know. You know what I thought? You know what I thought would be appropriate. Um, to play, um, we mentioned the poet warrior Joshua Michael Stewart. Right he on. wrote a song called The Social Distancing Rag. So I'll play it. I think it's an instrumental. Um, there might be some words in there. I'm not sure. Um, does a rag have words in it? Does anybody know? It, it can be. It can have words. It yep. can not have words. Okay. It's a rag. Man. Yep. You know? All right. I'm going to play the rag. We can chat a little bit over the rag, and then we'll we'll wind we'll wind down. Does that sound okay, Stomping Jen? Sounds fine. Got bucket. You okay with that? Um, I'm I'm along for the ride, man. Okay. All right. And we'll have you back. Um, what we should do is do a um we should do a gut bucket, Joshua Michael Stewart. Josh um, rambling blind Josh Pearson. I don't know about rambling if he would want to come on. Yeah. We'd have to talk to him. Well, what nights That is... would be an epic that would be an epic podcast. That would be like doing a podcast with two ornery farmers mm-hmm. and you just record them getting wasted on a twenty four pack of natty light on, <laughs> on the back of a pickup truck. Sounds awesome. Hey, as Yeah. That w- as long as I can I'll be the I'll be the designated driver. I'm driving the board, stomping That's right. Jen. That's right? right. That's so right. all right, I'm gonna play the rag, okay? Talks amongst yourselves real quickly. I'm going to hit this oh, button. Okay. Hopefully it works. All right. Are you hitting the rag? Um, Are you on the rag? Ooh. Ooh, it's very loud. Okay, that rag. The yeah. rag is very loud. Ooh, got a good signal coming in here. Mm-hmm. This is the social distancing rag by our bud, Joshua Michael Stewart. Mm-hmm. Love this guy. He's amazing. We don't know if there's words. We're going to listen and find out. 
So, um, one, oh, 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 I know what I need to talk to you about, Gut Bucket. Um, do you have Netflix? I do. Okay, so there's a movie I need you to watch, right? And we'll have you come back on and we'll talk about this. It's called The Platform. Okay. okay? I posted about this, um, on Facebook. Basically, it's a story about, uh, trickle down resources and how horrible they are and they don't work and it's a horrifying dystopian tale i don't want to say much more um, except the basic premise which isn't a spoiler is there's these people trapped in this giant tower and there are two people on each floor of the tower it's concrete floors two concrete beds a sink and a toilet and every day a platform full of food um, descends from the top, and when it starts, it's completely full of the most glorious, delicious food you can imagine. And th in theory, there's enough food to feed everybody on all of the levels. Don't say how many levels, Stomping Jen. Um, and the bed, um, this platform descends to each level, and the people, the two people on each level, get like a minute to eat off of the platform, right? And as the as the platform goes lower and lower and lower down the tower, you know, there becomes less food depending on how much food people at the top take, right? You get the metaphor. Um, yeah, yeah. It's an, it's an amazing, horrifying It's really, really graphic, so just movie. be aware there's not a, a lot of graphic not, violence in it. Not good for kids. Um, no words in the no social words. So, I highly recommend Interesting. that we, yeah. we've thought about watching it and then yep. passed over it um mostly because we have children and we fall asleep okay so um, like two in the morning we wake up and we're like fuck we didn't watch anything yeah the last four hours we just didn't watch anything but if, uh, so, so i'll watch it i will make a point to do that yeah if you get a chance and it, it connects to a lot of the themes we talked about um, this evening mm -hmm. in our podcast here together yeah. so yeah. That was a break while we were watching The Tiger King. Yeah, which was also very good. The Tiger King. That's entertaining. Anything also, you want to anything you want to recommend? Not appropriate for children. You know, I have to tell you, my, I mean my wife is the TV watcher. Okay. I especially in these times, I'm pretty much sitting in my parlor and yep. uh, you know, writing essays and working on stuff and yep. just listening to old jazz music, man. I was going to say you don't sound like a um, a mind that watches a lot of TV. I wouldn't imagine that you have a lot of time for that. Yeah, I'm not like against yep. television or against, especially yep. you know, film. But yep. I, um, sure. yeah, man, I'm just I'm usually reading five or six books at the same time, and you know, yeah. Well, listen, I, I sound like such a snob. I'm not a snob. No, you don't sound no, like a snob at all. Like here's here's what you sound like: somebody who's thinking about curious their, about the world curious about the world but also thinking about their community and what they can do to help turn around this horrible social and economic situation we have found ourselves trapped in that's what you sound like to me so thank you for that um and thank you for coming on i also want to before we go i want to thank again um we did this at the beginning before you came on I want to thank all of the people out there on the front lines who are working during this pandemic to try to keep society running. So those are our healthcare workers, our first responders, the people doing the hard work of 
running and maintaining and delivering our supplies, right? Um, grocery store workers who are getting us food, pharmacy workers, retail people who are coming in every day. What do you think? Any? Who am I missing? Local Gut farms. Bucket. Local farms. Local, local farms far local that are producing farms. the food that we enjoy. Yep. I said it last week. The most important podcast hosts. They're the most important people <laughs> in a pandemic. <laughs> you know what? I think, I think it's important for us to say to everybody, everybody right now that's feeling isolated. Yeah. Right? And that was feeling isolated before and this has only exacerbated all that. People have to remember something yeah. and take this to heart that I don't care who you are. I don't care what situation you're in. You are loved. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Thank you. Are you are valued and you are loved. And I mean that very sincerely, especially in these times. That is a wonderful sentiment to end on, um, yep. Mr. Gutbucket. Um, so... What we're gonna do? We're gonna hit the we're gonna hit the outro music, um, Gut Bucket. You feel free to hang up. Um, and again, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate the time you spent with us. And to reiterate what what um, Mr. Gut Bucket said, we love you, everybody. We love you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay safe. We're gonna keep doing this. We're gonna keep talking about this pandemic. We want to be there for you. So, um, we love you. Right, I Stomping know. Jen? Yep, we do. Okay, bye, Mr. Gut Bucket. Thanks again. You guys keep groovy. Take care. Okay, take <laughs> care, man.